Beloved Bhagwan, if you envision a Buddha, a Dharma, or a Bodhisattva and conceive respect for them, you relegate yourself to the realm of mortals. If you seek direct understanding, don't hold onto any appearance whatsoever and you'll succeed. I have no other advice. Don't cling to appearances and you'll be of one mind with the Buddha. But why shouldn't we worship Buddhas and Bodhisattvas? Devils and demons possess the power of manifestation. They can create the appearance of bodhisattvas in all sorts of guises, but they're false. None of them are Buddhas. The Buddha is your own mind. Don't misdirect your worship. Buddha is Sanskrit for what you call aware, miraculously aware, responding, perceiving, arching your brows, blinking your eyes, moving your hands and feet, it's all your miraculously aware nature. And this nature is the mind and the mind is the Buddha and the Buddha is the path and the path is Zen but the word Zen is one that remains a puzzle seeing your nature is Zen even if you can explain thousands of sutras and shastras unless you see your own nature yours is the teaching of a mortal not a Buddha the true way is sublime it can't be expressed in language of what use are scriptures but someone who sees his own nature finds the way even if he can't read a word everything the Buddha says is an expression of his mind but since his body and expressions are basically empty you can't find a Buddha in words the way is basically perfect it doesn't require perfecting the way has no form or sound it's subtle and hard to perceive it's like when you drink water you know how hot or cold it is but you can't tell others of that which only a Tathagata knows
men and gods remain unaware. The awareness of mortals falls short. As long as they are attached to appearances, they are unaware that their mind is empty and by mistakenly clinging to the appearance of things they lose the way if you know that everything comes from the mind don't become attached once attached you're unaware but once you have seen your own nature the entire canon becomes so much prose its thousands of sutras and shastras only amount to a clear mind understanding comes in mid-sentence what good are doctrines? the ultimate truth is beyond words doctrines are words they're not the way the way is wordless words are illusions they're no different from things that appear in your dreams at night be they palaces or carriages don't conceive any delight for things they're all cradles of rebirth Keep this in mind when you approach death. Don't cling to appearances and you'll break through all barriers. A moment's hesitation and you'll be under the spell of devils. Your real body is pure and impervious but because of delusions you're unaware of it and because of this you suffer in vain wherever you find delight you find bondage but once you awaken to your original being and mind you're no longer bound by attachments Understanding of Bodhidharma and his insight into the secrets of human consciousness is so profound that it certainly can be said it is perfect nothing can be added to it and nothing can be edited out of it
ही स्पीक्स टेलीग्राफिकली यूजेज ओनली द मोस्ट इसेंशियल वर्ड्स यू विल सी हाउ ए मैन कैन एक्सप्रेस हिमसेल्फ something which eludes expression something which has been known always as inexpressible but bodhi dharma comes very close to express it if you don't understand it is your fault otherwise it is very difficult to find a master of the stature of bodhi dharma in the whole legendary past of masters bodhi dharma stands very aloof very alone his way of life his way of teaching everything is his own never before there was anybody else like bodhi dharma and never after there has been another who can be called exactly equal in insight in understanding in profundity and yet he does not use a jargon he is not a philosopher not a theologian he is a very simple man he uses direct words that go just like arrows into your heart all that is needed on your part is to keep the doors of your heart open he will not come uninvited within you but invited he is sure to reach to your heart your receptivity is going to be ultimately the decisive factor in the sutras this evening except few 
mistakes by the disciples who have taken the notes. Almost everything seems to be authentically Bodhidharmas. If you envision a Buddha, a Dharma, are a bodhisattva and conceive respect for them, you relegate yourself to the realm of mortals. According to bodhidharma, everybody essentially is a Buddha. But if you start imagining Buddhas and worshipping them, then you are doing a tremendous harm to yourself. It means you have not understood the basic teaching. There is no one to be worshipped, no one to be envisaged, because you are a Buddha yourself. It is because of this point Gautam Buddha denies the existence of one God. His denial is so great that its significance has not been understood. He denies one God not because he is an atheist. He denies one God because he respects every living being as a God. There are as many gods as there are living beings. Few have attained to the realization of who they are and most of the people, of the living beings, are still asleep. They do not know who they are, but their ignorance does not change their nature. So the first sutra is, if you envision a Buddha, you relegate yourself to the realm of the mortals. You unnecessarily degrade yourself. Every worshipper in every temple, in every synagogue, in every church, 
is humiliating himself and is humiliating the God within. The God within needs no other God to be worshipped. All that it needs is an awakening, awareness, a consciousness of one's own being. The moment one becomes conscious of himself, he is no more a mortal. He becomes an immortal. He has always been an immortal. But because of his misunderstanding, he degraded himself into being a martyr, into someone who is going to die. Although the life within you and the consciousness within you is eternal and immortal, but still you go on being afraid of death. Because you see every day somebody dying, and everybody's death reminds you of your own death. The poet sings, Never ask for whom the bell tolls, the bell tolls for thee. In Christian villages, it is an ancient custom that when somebody dies, the church well starts tolling, informing the whole village, the people who have gone to the farms, are the people who have gone to the archers are the people who have gone to their wine presses to come back, somebody has died. The poet is saying, never ask for whom the bell tolls, it always tolls for thee. He has some truth to convey to you. Every death is symbolic. It shows that you are standing in the same queue. And the queue is becoming shorter and shorter. Every day you are coming closer and closer to death. In fact, the day you were born was not the day of your birth. It was the day you started dying. And since then you have been dying every day. Every birthday your death has come one year closer.
it is an absolutely certain fact that people die, animals die, trees die, birds die. How can you avoid the fact that you are also going to die? Maybe tomorrow, maybe day after tomorrow. It is only a question of time. But still, those who are aware of their being know that nobody dies. Death is an illusion. You have seen people die. Have you ever seen yourself die? And when you see somebody dying, are you really seeing somebody dying? All that you are seeing and all that your medical science can see is that the man has stopped breathing, that his pulse has disappeared, that his heart beats no more and they declare that he is dead. Just few days before, a man in the occupied part of Kashmir by Pakistan deceived third time his friends, his colleagues, his family, at the age of 135, he died the third time. And people were very suspicious because two times before also he has played the trick. He died diagnosed by the doctors as dead, certified as dead, and he wake up, opened his eyes and started laughing. So when he died this time, people were very cautious. Doctors were very cautious. But there was every certainty of his death. There was no question. They said perhaps before he may have deceived you, but this time he is certainly dead. All that medical science can know, he fulfills every requirement of a dead man. And the moment the certificate was signed by three doctors, the man opened his eyes, he started laughing, and he said, listen, next time when I am going to die, I am going to really die. I just thought one time more. That occupied part of Kashmir by Pakistan has 
in india and pakistan the longest living people 120 is very ordinary normal 150 you can find it is not so normal but still there are hundreds of people who have passed 150 and there are few rare cases who have reached 180 years of age and they are still young they are still working in their fields and this man has been asked by newspapers by journalists from all over the world because he is a rare man three times certified dead and three times he has defied all medical knowledge all medical science and they ask what have you been doing what happens he said nothing because i am not my body i know it and i am not my breathing i know it and i am not my heart i know it i am beyond all these i simply slip into the beyond the heart is stopped the pulse is stopped the breathing is stopped and you are all be fools then i slip back again into the body the blood starts running again the pulse starts working again the heart starts beating again he is a simple man a farmer he is not a yogi he has never practiced anything but just when he was a very young child not more than 7 or 8 years old he came in contact with a sufi mystic who told him that death is an illusion and he was so innocent that he accepted it and the sufi mystic said to him that there is a very simple way to slip out of your body just watch it from inside watch the body and suddenly there will come more and more distance between you and your body soon the body will be miles away watch the mind and the same will happen with the mind you simply remain a watcher and you will be able to slip out of the body out of the mind out of this whole personality
and it is within your control to come back because you have slipped out so you know the way how you have slipped out you know the way how to come back in and the way is watching you slipped out now stop watching become identified with the body say i am the body i am the mind i am the breathing i am the heart beating and immediately the distance will disappear you will come closer and soon you will slip into the body back identifying yourself with the body you become the body then you are a mortal then there is fear of death non identifying with the body you are just a watcher you are just a pure consciousness a no mind and there is no death and there is no disease and there is no old age as far as your witnessing is concerned it is eternal and it is always fresh and young and the same the authentic religion does not teach you to worship the authentic religion teaches you to discover your immortality to discover the god within you and that's what bodhidharma is saying if you seek direct understanding don't hold unto any appearance whatsoever and you will succeed i have no other advice his advice is very simple but it never fails he is advising don't get identified with any appearance the body is an appearance the mind is an appearance the world is an appearance the only thing that is absolutely real is your consciousness everything else goes on changing that which goes on changing is an appearance don't get identified with it you are the unchanging divine you are the unchanging godliness and bodhidharma says i have no other advice don't cling to appearances and you will be of one no mind with the buddha
the sutra says you will be one mind with the buddha that is the misunderstanding of the person who has been taking notes of bodhidharma's statements i have to make the correction from mind to no mind as minds you can never be one with the buddha just try to understand because it is infinitely significant here if you are all minds then there are as many people as there are minds but if you all become silent with no thoughts then there is only one no mind then all the distinctions disappear whether you are a man or a woman a young child or old educated or uneducated rich or poor it does not matter all distinctions disappear the moment mind is transcended all distinctions are made by the mind beyond the mind is just a silent sky a pure space in that pure space you are one with the buddha you are all one with existence you are one with the whole i call this oneness with the whole the only holiness the disciple asks bodhidharma but why should not be worship buddhas and bodhisattvas the disciple seems to be of a very mediocre mind because bodhidharma has already answered and now what he says as the answer of bodhidharma i deny absolutely that it can be the answer of bodhidharma it is so stupid that bodhidharma cannot say that So first I will read what the disciple writes and then I will tell you what exactly bodhidharma must have said Devils and demons possess the power of manifestation 
दे कैन क्रिएट द एपियरेंस ऑफ बोधिसत्वास इन ऑल सार्ट्स ऑफ गायसेस बट दे आर फॉल्स नन ऑफ देम आर बुद्धाज द बुद्धा इज योर ओन माइंड डोंट मिस डायरेक्ट योर वर्शिप The disciple is saying that worshipping a Buddha is denied because the devil can pretend to be Buddhas, and if you worship, the appearance will be of the Buddha, and in fact there is hiding behind the appearance a devil. This cannot be the answer of Bodhi Dharma. A man who does not believe in God cannot believe in devil. A man who is capable of denying God is certainly capable of denying all devils. and his answer could have been only one which he has already given in the basic sutra his answer could be without any doubt that you should not worship any buddhas because you are a buddha and this is simply ridiculous that a buddha worshiping another buddha i am reminded of another zen master he must have been a man of some similar qualities like bodhi dharma he was a disciple in the same lineage he was staying in a buddhist temple in a winter night and the priest knowing that he is a great master has allowed him to stay in the temple but in the middle of the night the priest woke up suddenly there was so much light he looked inside the temple because his room was by the side of the temple and the master that he has allowed to stay in the temple was enjoying burning a beautiful statue wooden statue of gautam buddha the priest was simply mad he said are you insane or something you have burnt the statue of gautam buddha 
the master took his staff and he started searching in the ashes of the burnt statue for something. The priest said, what are you searching for? He said, I am looking for the bones. Even the priest had to laugh, although he was angry, and his most beautiful statue has been burned. But he said, you are really insane. How can a wooden statue have bones? He said, that's what I have been showing to you that if there are no bones inside it, it is not the statue of Buddha. It is not Buddha, it is just wood cut into a certain shape. Don't be deceived by it. And the night is long and it is too cold. And I am so tired of a long journey. If you can be of some help, you have still got three more statues. One is enough for worshipping, two you can give me. The night is really cold. Moreover, I am a living Buddha. For a living Buddha, it is absolutely right to burn a wooden Buddha to have a little heat. It is too cold in this temple. The priest became very afraid that this man seems to be absolutely dangerous. If I go to sleep, he is going to burn all my statues. He threw him out of the temple in the middle of the night the master was insisting that this is not right. Listen, you will repent for it. You are throwing a living Buddha in the darkness of the night, in the cold winter night, and you are protecting wooden Buddhas. Are you mad or something? He said, I don't want to discuss with you. I know who is mad. You just get out. In the morning the priest opened the door and looked what has happened to the master. He was sitting by the side of the road. He has picked up few wild flowers and he has put those wild flowers on a milestone, and he was worshipping Buddham Sarnam Gacchan, Sangham Sarnam Gacchan, Dhammam Sarnam Gacchan. The priest could not believe that he is really mad. Last night he burnt a Buddha so costly, it was made of sandalwood, 
and now that madman is worshipping a milestone as a buddha the priest came close to him and he said what are you doing he said my morning prayer the priest said but you look a little strange tai last night you destroyed my buddha and now you are worshiping a milestone he said you don't understand it is only our visualization if you visualize that this is a buddha this is a buddha you visualized in the wooden statue a buddha it became a buddha it is all mind game i don't believe in prayers it was just for you that i waited and i was worshiping the milestone just to show you that whatever you worship you are worshiping something wrong because you are the buddha the worshipper is the buddha not the worship can i come in the temple again tonight the priest said no although you appear to be right perhaps i am wrong but i cannot follow your great understanding it is dangerous it will be good if you leave this place and do your act in some other temple i am a poor priest you have already destroyed one of my most beautiful buddhas now i cannot even though you convince me i cannot allow you inside the temple he said it is not a question but i can see that you have understood rightly and one day you will come searching for me i can see in your eyes the light of understanding a ray of understanding don't let me in but i am already within you and after 2 years the priest had to come to the master 
to ask for an apology and he has brought the remaining three statues that you can burn them whenever you need i have understood since that night i have not been able for a single moment able to forget you your beauty your grace your peace your silence and your great effort to make me understand that what i have been doing is stupid and i misbehaved with you i threw you in the dark night in a cold night still you waited for me for the morning to give me another opportunity to understand and i was so foolish that i missed that opportunity too but two years are enough you have been haunting me now i have come knowing perfectly well that the buddha is within and he is not in the statues of the temple and the statues of the temples and the milestones are not different that reminds me when for the first time in india the british government created the roads and put the milestones they painted those milestones red because red is a very brilliant color and you can see it from far away and particularly in contrast to the greenery of the fields and the forests it looks separate any other color may get mixed but red is still absolutely separate but the british engineers who were working on the roads were surprised that the villagers started worshiping they thought that these are the statues of hanuman it was a great problem for the engineers to tell those villagers that these are just milestones but the villagers insisted that they may be milestones for you but for us it is perfectly good they look so beautiful and we are not doing any harm to you we will just be worshiping them i have been reading 
the history when first the roads were made in india the british engineers were at a shock and they could not prevent the villagers they said you can think of them as milestones but what is the harm if we worship them to us they look just the statues of hanuman bodhi dharma's answer cannot be what the disciple has noted here his answer can only be that remember your own buddhahood awaken to your own buddhahood and this awakening will make your no mind one with the buddha don't misdirect your worship you have to worship your own innermost consciousness you are the temple you are the worshiper and you are the worship buddha is sanskrit for what you call aware miraculously aware responding perceiving arching your brows blinking your eyes moving your hands and feet it is all your miraculously aware nature and this nature is the no mind and the no mind is the buddha and the buddha is the path and the path is zen but the word zen is one that remains a puzzle seeing your nature is zen the word zen remains a puzzle because it comes from a sanskrit root it comes from the word dhyan buddha used the language of his contemporary people that was a revolutionary step because sanskrit has always been the language of the scholars buddha brought a revolution in it he used the people's language not the language of the scholars he used the pali 
that every villager could understand. In Pali, dhyan is changed into a little different form. It is become zan. And when Bodhidharma reached China, he talked about zan. But in Chinese, it took another change. It became chan. And then, when from China it reached to Japan, from Chan it became Zen. It lost far away the original root. Now in Japanese there is no root for Zen. The word is foreign to Japanese. For Chan there is no root in Chinese. The word is foreign. That's why it is a riddle. What is Zen? But if you can come to back to the root things become simple, the puzzle disappears. Dhyan means going beyond the mind. Going beyond thought process. Entering into silence, utter silence, where nothing moves, where nothing disturbs, where everything is absent, only a pure emptiness. This space is Zen. This space is meditation. There is no riddle about it. But only in this country the root of Zen can be found. Zen was born here in this country It blossomed in Japan. The flowers came into Japan and they were a riddle because they could not find where is the root, where is the tree. They could only see the flowers and the fragrance. The roots were far away in this country and it is such an unfortunate 
thing that dhyan flowered in Japan to its ultimate and in India it disappeared almost completely. The Indian embassies have been informed by the Indian government that anybody who wants to come to India from any country of the world to learn meditation should not be given any tourist visa. because the government does not know anything about meditation. Politicians cannot afford to be meditators because the foundation of meditation is to be non-ambitious, non-desiring, non-achieving. A politician cannot afford to be a meditator. Hence, in Indian universities, there is no provision for meditation, which is India's greatest contribution to the world. And people are prevented by Indian embassies all over the world who want to come to India to learn meditation. They are allowed visas to come if they just want to see Taj Mahal, temples of Khajuraho, go for honeymoon to Kashmir, for any absurd reason, but not for meditation. It is one of the unfortunate incidents that has happened in India, that India created the greatest meditators in the world and from India the whole Asia learned meditation. It is still is alive in the monasteries of Japan but in India there is no support from any source for India's own greatest contribution to human progress. But the reason is clear.
the people who are in power don't understand even the abc of being silent they know only a tense mind anxieties and worries ambitions cunningness dragging each others pulling each other's legs sabotaging each other's power their whole concern is a tremendous ambition for being in power meditation is a totally different not only different but diametrically opposite dimension it is the way of the humble man it is the way of the simple heart it is the way of those who want to rejoice in disappearing just like a dew drop disappears in the ocean even if you can explain thousands of sutras and shastras unless you see your own nature yours is the teaching of a martyr you may understand the holy scriptures you may know the vedas you may know the upanishads you may know the holy bible you may know the holy quran or the holy gita but if you don't know yourself your teaching is just a repetition a mechanical repetition like a parrot and perhaps parrots are also more intelligent than your pundits i have heard about a bishop who had two parrots and for years he trained them 
to recite the Christian official prayer. He made a small golden beads for the parrots. They were holding the beads and reciting the prayer and any guest who used to come was simply surprised. Their recitation was so perfect and they looked almost like saints with their beads in their hands. Finally, the bishop thought, because he was so much praised what he has done in teaching the parrots to purchase one more parrot and train him also. So he brought another parrot. And put that new parrot also between those two sages with their beads reciting the prayer. And as the bishop went in, one parrot said to the other, George, now drop the beats, our prayers have been heard, our beloved has reached, it was a female parrot. Even parrots seem to be more intelligent. A man who does not know himself should feel ashamed in teaching to others just because he knows scriptures. His scholarship has no meaning at all in the authentic world of religion. It is a world of experience, not of explanation. The man who teaches according to the scriptures is a mortal, not a Buddha. The true way is sublime. It can't be expressed in language of what use are scriptures. But someone who sees his own nature finds the way, even if he can't read a word. Everything the Buddha says is an expression of his no-mind. But since his body and expressions are basically empty, you can't find a Buddha in words. The way is basically perfect. It does not require perfecting. The way has no form or sound. It is a subtle and hard to perceive. 
it is like when you drink water you know how hot or cold it is but you can't tell others of that which only a tathagata knows men and gods remain unaware the awareness of mortals falls sad you have a little awareness but very little if your whole being can be taken in account the nine parts of it are in darkness and in unconsciousness only one part out of 10 is conscious just a very superficial layer which can easily be disturbed somebody insults you and you forget all about humbleness you forget all about being nice you become immediately enraged suddenly your barbarousness comes up just a little scratch and the animal starts showing its reality from your very being your civilization is so superficial it is just like your clothes you can drop them any moment and you all know that there are moments when you drop all your civilization all your culture all your religion all your great qualities you talk about within a second they disappear your consciousness is so small the awareness of mortals falls very sad it cannot reach to the heights of a fully awakened human being that's why a buddha is bound to be misunderstood whatever he will do is so far away from you he is almost on a sunlit peak of the himalayas and you are in the dark valley even if what he says reaches to you it is no more the same only resounding valleys you hear something of it reaches to you and you interpret according to your own mind 
One night it happened. Gautam Buddha used to say to his disciples every night after his discourse that now it is time you go and do the last necessary thing. Don't forget before you go to sleep. His hint was about last meditation before you go into sleep. But one night it happened, there was a thief in the congregation and there was a prostitute too. When Buddha said, now it is time you go and do the last thing before you go to sleep, the prostitute thought, my God, he knows that I am here and that it is time for my profession. I should go, hurry up. The thief said, I am hiding in dark corner because nobody knows this man, he may recognize that I am a thief, but he has recognized. He is saying to me, now go and do the last thing before you go to sleep. It is time. My God, this man is really strange. I have to run now. It is late and it is time to finish my work, otherwise I won't have any sleep tonight. Thousands of the sannyasins went to meditation. The prostitute went to her marketplace. The thief started searching for his work. Buddha has said one thing, but there were different interpretations according to everybody's own mind. As long as they are attached to appearances, they are unaware that their no mind is empty and by mistakenly clinging to the appearance of things they lose the way. If you know that everything comes from no mind, that everything comes from nothingness and disappears again into nothingness. And you see it happening every day. From a seed a tree arises. You just cut the seed and see, you will not find any tree 
you will not find any branches you will not find any foliage you will not find any flowers you will not find any fragrance any fruits nothing just emptiness but from a seed which is nothing but emptiness a great tree arises with great foliage with many flowers with many fruits and with millions of seeds and from each seed again millions of seeds the scientists who study trees vegetation they say that a single seed can make the whole earth green it has so much potential although you cannot see by cutting it you will not find anything there everything comes out of nothingness and goes back into nothingness hence there is no need for attachment because attachment will bring misery soon it will be gone the flower that has blossomed in the morning by the evening will be gone don't get attached otherwise in the evening there will be misery then there will be tears then you will miss the flower enjoy while he is but remember it has come out of nothing and it will go back to nothing and the same is true about everything even about people you love a man you love a woman from where they have come from very small seeds which cannot be even seen by their eyes if they are put in front of you they will not be bigger than the full point and you will not recognize that this is me or one day i was like this that this is my old photograph and one day you will disappear on a funeral pyre just into nothingness as a smoke don't get attached with anything this attachment takes you away from your real being you become focused 
with the thing you are attached. Your awareness gets lost into things, into money, into people, into power, and there are thousand and one things, the whole thick jungle around you to be lost. Remember non-attachment is the secret of finding yourself. Then awareness can turn inward because you don't have anything outside to catch hold of it. It is free. And in this freedom you can know your self-nature. Don't become attached. Once attached, you are unaware. But once you see your own nature, the entire canon becomes so much prose. Then all the scriptures are useless. You have seen the holiest of the holy. The very source of the Upanishads, the very source of the Vedas, the very source of all so-called holy scriptures. When you have found the source, who bothers about the scriptures? They are so much prose, nothing else. It's thousands of sutras and sastras only amount to a clear no-mind. Understanding comes in mid-sentence. This is such a beautiful statement. Understanding does not come through words, but through gaps. In the moments of silence, understanding comes in mid-sentence. What good are doctrines? The ultimate truth is beyond words. Doctrines are only words. They are not the way. The way is wordless. Words are illusions. They are no different from things that appear in your dreams at night. Be they palaces or carriages. Don't conceive any delight for things. They are all cradles of rebirth. Keep this in mind 
when you approach death don't cling to appearances and you will break through all barriers this is a great statement to be remembered because everybody is going to pass through the gates of death some day if you can remember that you are only pure consciousness not the body not the mind not the heart not your money not your prestige not your power not your house but just pure consciousness then you can pass through the barrier of death unscratch then death can not make even a dent in you death has power over you only if you are attached you are not afraid of death the basic psychology is you are afraid of death because it will take you away from all your attachments if it was possible that you could take your wife and your children and your house and your money and your power and everything that you think belongs to you with yourself when you are dying i don't think you will be afraid you will rejoice a great adventure going with the whole caravan but because death cuts everything away from you leaves you utterly naked only as consciousness in the upanishads there is ancient story that i have loved always a great king named yayati became 100 years old now it was enough he has lived tremendously he had enjoyed all that life can make available he was one of the greatest kings of his times but the story is beautiful death came and said to yayati that get ready it is time for you and i have come to take you yayati saw death and he was a great warrior and he has won many wars 
he started trembling. He said, but it is too early. Death said, too early? You have been alive for one hundred years. Even your children have become old. Your eldest son is eighty years old. What more do you want? And he had one hundred sons because he had one hundred wives. He asked that, can you do a favor to me? I know you have to take someone. If I can persuade one of my sons, can you leave me for one hundred years more and take one of my sons? The death said, it is perfectly okay if somebody else is ready to go, but I don't think if you are not ready and you are the father and you have lived more and you have enjoyed everything, why your son should be ready? He called his one hundred sons. The older sons remained silent. There was great silence, nobody was saying anything. Only one youngest son, who was only sixteen years of age, he stood up and he said, I am ready. Even death felt sorry for the boy. Death said to the young man that perhaps you are too innocent. Can't you see your ninety-nine brothers are absolutely silent? Although someone is eighty, someone is seventy-five, someone seventy-eight, someone is seventy, someone is sixty, they have lived, but they are still want to live. And you have not lived at all. To take you, even I feel said, you think again. The boy said, no. Just seeing the situation makes me completely certain. Don't feel sad or sorry. I am going with absolute awareness. I can see that if my father is not satisfied in hundred years, what is the point being here? How I can be satisfied? I am seeing my ninety-nine brothers, nobody is satisfied. So why waste time? At least I can do this favor to my father. In his old age, let him enjoy one hundred years more. But I am finished. Seeing the situation that nobody is satisfied, I 
can understand one thing completely that even if I live hundred years, I will not be satisfied either. So it doesn't matter whether I go today or after ninety years. You just take me. Death took the boy and after hundred years he came back and Yayati was again in the same position. And he said, these hundred years pass so soon. All my old sons have died. But now I have another regiment. I can give you some son. Just have mercy on me. It went on, the story goes on to say, for one thousand years, ten times the death came. And nine times she took some sun and Yayati lived one hundred years more. Tenth time, Yayati said, although I am still as unsatisfied as I was when you had come for the first time, but now, although unwillingly, reluctantly, but I will go, because I cannot go on asking for favor. It is too much. And one thing has become certain to me, that if one thousand years cannot help me to be contented, then even ten thousand will not do. It is the attachment. You can go on living, but as the idea of death will strike you, you will start trembling. And if you are not attached to anything, death can come this very moment, and you will be in a very welcoming mood. You will be absolutely ready to go. In front of such a man, death is defeated. Death is defeated only by those who are ready to die any moment, without any reluctance, they become the immortals, they become the Buddhas.
a moment's hesitation when death comes and you will be under the spell of devils your real body your real being is pure and impervious but because of delusions you are unaware of it and because of this you suffer in vain wherever you find delight you find bondage but once you awaken to your original being and no mind you are no longer bound by attachments and this freedom is the goal of all religious search freedom from attachment is freedom from death freedom from attachment is freedom from the wheel of birth and death freedom from attachment makes you capable to enter into the universal life and become one with it and that is the greatest blessing the ultimate ecstasy beyond which nothing else exists you have come home okay manisha yes bhagwan Thank you.
God.